Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, we've got a little bit more clarity, I guess we can call it that, on LeBron James' injury. Uh, looks like it's still going to be a while, so <laughs> we'll see how this goes. The Lakers today announced that LeBron James, after a bunch of tests that they apparently ran, has a tendon uh, injury in his right foot. Uh, I I would imagine. (laughs) I can bring Jen in here, but I think you have more than one tendon in your foot. Uh, So it doesn't exactly narrow things down. Uh, the, The report from Chris Haynes before that was that Uh, As of now, it doesn't look like LeBron is going to require surgery and that the Lakers are hoping that he can can just kind of stay off of it, rest it up, rehab it, and then depending on how things look three weeks from now when he gets reassessed, uh, then they would kind of make a decision, is it worth it for him to come back? What is going to decide whether or not it's worth it is how the next three weeks go. So uh, I did kind of glance at the schedule before, but I guess I can just kind of Look over it now that we have a definitive timetable uh, for for what the next three weeks or how long it is that the Lakers have to stay afloat. So three weeks from now is March 23rd. The Lakers will be playing 10 games between now and that date. And again, like just as we've said uh, previously this season as it pertains to the Lakers injuries, is that's when he's getting reassessed. Uh, that is not the definitive return date. So between now and the 23rd, the Lakers have obviously Minnesota tonight by the time you guys are listening to this. Then they play uh, Golden State at home. And Golden State is a bad road team, but they might, it, it appears like they're going to be getting Steph back uh, probably for that game on Sunday. So that's suboptimal. Then they play a Memphis team that they just lost to. Then they play Toronto, who has been up and down, but mostly down this year. New York is playing great basketball right now. They play them at home. Then you play at New Orleans and at Houston. Those are two games I think that they'll have to win. Then they play Dallas at home. They play Orlando at home. Then they finish that stretch with Phoenix at home. Phoenix obviously now has Kevin Durant. So that is not uh, <laughs> that is not an easy schedule. It does it does lighten up after that. They play OKC and then Chicago twice, Minnesota, Houston, uh, Utah, and their season will likely be over by that point. Then they play, they finish up against the Clippers and then Phoenix and Utah again. But uh, yeah, I, the, the next 10 games or so Minnesota, I'll call, well, I, I, man, without D'Angelo, I'll say a win. I'll say, I'll say that, you know, compared to the rest of the games, this is one that the Lakers have to win. Golden State with Steph back, kind of hard to count that as a win, even if they're on the road and as they have been bad on the road. Memphis can't quite count that as a win. Toronto is one that the Lakers kind of sort of need to win. That puts you at 2-2. Two and two. New York, given the way that they're playing, kind of hard to count that as a win right now. New Orleans on the road, one that I think the Lakers should win, so that puts you at 3-3. Three and three. Houston on the road is 4-3. and three. Dallas... Uh, where and and I believe they'll have Maxi Kleber by back by then if they don't have him already. Uh, as I'm recording this, Dallas is beating Philadelphia, so maybe they're starting to figure some stuff out. Um, we'll call that a loss. Orlando is a win, 
and then Phoenix is a loss. So just like being conservative there, and yeah, you could talk yourself into different results and different games and all of that stuff. That's fine. But you just kind of saw the path towards 500 basketball. And yeah, the Lakers need to play better than 500 basketball if they want to leapfrog some teams ahead of them. So that means, you know, you have to win the Dallas game to go six and four, or maybe you have to beat New York um, at home, or maybe you have to beat Golden State at home uh, to, to, you know, get yourself into that six and four, seven and three kind of range. If they can do that, then yeah, I think the Lakers could very easily talk themselves into it being worth it for LeBron to come back. But if you go anything worse than five and five, you know, four and six, especially seven and three or worse, then you're probably looking at the season being over. And, you know, one kind of tough thing here, I'm looking at these next 10 games. Uh, yeah, so you have one back-to-back where on the road, the Lakers would be playing New Orleans and Houston. I think AD probably plays in the New Orleans game, and then the Lakers maybe try to beat Houston without him uh, if he isn't allowed to play back-to-backs. So that's one to keep uh, an eye on there. And that is the only back-to-back game that the Lakers have during this next three-week stretch. They do have at Houston and at Utah, um, or no, at Utah and uh, at home against the Clippers um, April 4th and 5th later in the season. So, yeah, I think you're looking at, you know, kind of, it, it's not necessarily fair because the Lakers are banged up and, and AD himself is banged up. But if they don't go five and five here and the season is over before LeBron can come back, that's when you have some real tough questions that the Lakers have to answer in the summer. I know that because of the way that the Lakers were playing right when they surrounded LeBron and AD with shooting, that it's easy to just say, even acknowledging the small sample size, well, that's the that's the formula. They went right back to it, and the Lakers looked great. I would agree. I would agree with that. But we also know that the Lakers are star-inclined, right? And if they have an opportunity to go and trade for a star, they are going to go out and trade for a star. Uh, or sign a star or whatever. So if if they aren't able to stay afloat here, and if those role players you know come up short, then yeah, I think the front office would probably look at the situation and say, yeah, that was fun. Let's go right back to the three star model, right, and see if you know we can get somebody who compliments LeBron when he's healthy and compliments AD when he is healthy, uh, but. Also, if those guys have to miss a game here or there, can also carry the team in, in ways that, say, Russell Westbrook wasn't able to when, when, when they first pursued that type of roster construction. Um, I, I do have thoughts on that here in a bit, but, you know, and, and I'm not saying how quite yet how I feel one way or the other, but it would shock me if that wasn't a conversation piece if the Lakers fall short and LeBron isn't able to, to get back because at that point, whenever he would come back, the season would have been too far gone. Uh, that is, that is going to be kind of the focus here. Rob Polinka said that himself when they made all these deals and he called it a pre-agency, right? They are, this is essentially a long tryout for all of the guys who the Lakers have contractual decisions to make 
on in this upcoming summer. This is just how this is going to go. It's a small sample size. It's not necessarily fair because you're asking guys who you brought in to compliment LeBron James to play well without having LeBron James. But, you know, one of the least mature words in the English language is fair. And this is just the reality of the situation. And the Lakers have to make the best of it. I also think it's worth mentioning here that if AD is either physically unable to finish the season or if he is able to go and the Lakers aren't able to stay afloat over these next 10 games or so while LeBron is is re, uh, rehabbing, then I do think, like we just talked a second ago about the, the, the role players who the Lakers have decisions to make. Um, they don't have, obviously, a contractual decision to make on AD this summer, but they would have, I think, a kind of macro-level decision to make on AD. This would be the third straight season that, you know, since winning the championship that he wasn't able to to finish and, and, and miss significant time from. Um, heading into all three of those seasons, there was discussion as far as can he play his best position and stay healthy while he does so. Uh, this year, you know, the answer was, yeah, he, he looked great at center, but he wasn't able to his body didn't allow him to continue to play that position. And in this case, like this wasn't some freak injury. This was him like landing wrong and having to miss a bunch of time because his foot had to, had a stress reaction to just kind of landing wrong. So I, as much as the role players are going to be kind of the, the under the microscope while this stretch goes on and for the rest of the season, I also think that if AD isn't able to, like AD is supposed to carry the franchise after LeBron is gone. I just talked about it in last night's show too. If he isn't able to to do just this, right, 10 games of 500 basketball to give LeBron a chance at fighting their way into the postseason when he gets back or if he gets back, uh, if AD isn't able to do that, then that doesn't really speak all that well to the future of the organization with him as its cornerstone. So I think, you know, that, that again, not necessarily fair, but, and, and does this mean that like his time as a Laker, we have to completely rethink it? No, like he's still a Lakers champion. They don't win that championship without him. But in the subsequent seasons after that championship, uh, and and in this spot where they they desperately need him to keep things together while LeBron is out, if he isn't able to do that, I do think we'll pro- there's probably going to be quite a bit of conversation in this upcoming offseason about does it make sense to trade AD and get LeBron some more reliable help? And yeah, there are complications there. LeBron would probably have to sign off on that trade because it would be a, a you know a clutch player that they would be sending out a cornerstone of the clutch agency that they would be sending out but yeah i mean they it, it even even if you're looking at it from the standpoint uh, beyond you know gar we're sick of the anthony davis experience um which to a certain extent i i, I kind of think i am if if this doesn't go well right um but 
even even like if it if it doesn't go well, then the Lakers are probably going to have to look at it from the standpoint of what other avenues do we have to improve this team or improve its future? Uh, if if LeBron isn't physically capable of going and he is going to be, uh, you know, nearing forty, then does it make sense to continue to pursue championships with him as the foundation of the team? Uh, if LeBron and AD, or as we have seen with LeBron and AD, they haven't been able to stay healthy, does it make sense for the Lakers to continue to look at them? as the foundation of a championship-type contender. Uh, This is a really cynical and probably oversimplistic way of looking at it, but what is really difficult in the NBA, and it's an inherent market inefficiency for the teams that actually have these players, but because of the max salary structure, those players who are on max contracts, who basketball-wise are worth more than those contracts, uh, the, that those teams are going to have the biggest advantage in the sport, right? That that was always the thing with LeBron, uh, was so long as LeBron is on a max contract and can't be paid more, and he's the best player in the league, he is inherently going to be more valuable than that contract basketball-wise. Business-wise, obviously, the Lakers are perfectly happy paying him the max contract, and he's probably worth double of it business-wise. But basketball-wise, if he's going to keep missing the amount of time that he keeps on missing, and if he does slow down as he approaches 40, then he, basketball-wise, isn't as valuable contractually as the Giannis's of the world, the Jokic's of the world. Um, Like those, Luka and, you know, even... Kevin Durant's a tough example because he also is missing a bunch of time. But you're talking about the absolute cream of the crop. And if you don't have a player who is worth you know more basketball-wise than their max contract, it makes it really difficult to win championships. And for the Lakers, in this case, they have two max players who basketball-wise haven't been healthy often enough to be worth as much, if not, and, and certainly not more than their contracts are worth basketball-wise. Again, business-wise, I don't. all of these NBA superstars are underpaid. That is a completely different conversation altogether. But just in terms of basketball, if the Lakers are going to continue to build with LeBron and AD, at least one of those guys is going to, be, have to, is going to have to be worth at least their value in 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 their cap number in terms of what they bring to a basketball team. And, uh, you know, what, no matter what context that you want to offer up, and there is a lot of context to offer up for reasons why both of these guys keep breaking down um, or aren't worth as much as maybe they should be, you know, roster construction does limit their value to a certain extent. Uh, and that is always worth keeping in mind. But whether it's because of roster construction or whether it's because of their own physical ailment, ailments over the course of the last few seasons, they haven't been worth max contracts uh, in terms of basketball. And that is really difficult to overcome. That is, it, no, I, that's impossible to overcome. It, it, it just is. When those guys aren't living up to a max contract 
And the guys that they're competing or the teams that they're competing with have guys who are far exceeding those max contracts. That's just math. And it's cynical. It's callous. It's a, it's, I feel kind of icky talking about it that way because it feels like an oversimplification, but sometimes it's just that simple. The other part of this that is always worth keeping in mind here, especially if, you know, the Lakers go on a run in the wrong direction and the playoff picture starts to slip away from them is, look, uh, LeBron might not need surgery right now, but if he rushes back, is there a risk that he would then need surgery that sets back his offseason and makes it so he isn't 100% by the time the Lakers open up next season. Same goes for Anthony Davis, right? He has this stress reaction and, you know, maybe it doesn't need surgery right now. Maybe it won't require surgery or whatever, but is there a way to alleviate that stress that, you know, uh, or, or is there too much stress you can put on that foot that would set back his, his off season regimen and, and make it so that, if the Lakers do continue to build around those two guys, whenever they show up to next season, if those guys aren't healthy, then that season's already tanked like that. The the margin for error because of the reasons I just talked about is just not there for those guys to not be a hundred percent right when the season even kicks off. So um, this is, that's going to be another part of, of the equation here for everybody involved. And that makes it that much more important that the Lakers go out and win the games that you feel like they should win, starting, frankly, tonight, even though they don't have D'Angelo Russell uh, against Minnesota. They are going to have to find a way to beat Minnesota. It's a home game. It's a Minnesota team that has been kind of floundering for much of this season, too. Uh, Fortunately, because of the deals that the Lakers did make, they aren't completely outmatched by Anthony Edwards on the wing. They have options to guard him there and they wouldn't if they didn't make the trades that they did at the deadline so like tonight is a huge game uh hell sunday at home against golden state is a huge game because if you if you squeak out a win against golden state that means you know a you get ahead of schedule or b you can take an unexpected loss down the road and still remain on schedule so yeah, this is all of these games are absolutely critical. The way that the Lakers get through these next 10 games is going to be telling not just of what they might be capable of if and when LeBron gets back, but also, you know, for all of these guys. Like, let, let's take a quick, this is a longer lowdown, and I know I, I recorded it thinking it was going to be a shorter one, but let's just really quickly look at the kinds of decisions that the Lakers have in the offseason. So as it stands, the Lakers this summer are going to have LeBron on the books for about $47 million and AD on the books for about $40.5 million. Um, Malik Beasley is not guaranteed next year. If they do guarantee it, it would be uh, $16.5 million. Bucks. And Mo Bamba is not guaranteed. He would be, if he was guaranteed, at a $10.3 million type number. Jared Vanderbilt next season is on the books for an astounding uh, $4.7 million. And uh, and Max Christie would be on the books for $1.7. Devon Reed is is not guaranteed, and, and they will not guarantee his contract. I can go ahead and basically report that now. 
Now for their cap holds and all of that stuff, like that's not even worth necessarily fully explaining, but in terms of players that they have to make decisions on D'Angelo Russell is going to, um, is, is going to be a free agent. Rui Hachimura is going to be a free agent. Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, Troy Brown, Jr. Dennis Schroeder, uh, Wenyan Gabriel, uh, those guys are all going to be, you know, like Scottie Pippen or whatever, Scottie Pippen Jr. And, um, you know, you technically have Cole Swider on, on a two-way or whatever. But but for players that the Lakers, I would imagine, would want to bring back, Russell, I think, qualifies. Rui, same. Lonnie Walker, it's tough. He's been kind of squeezed out of the rotation when everybody is healthy. But I do think he's a really talented player. And, and you know, maybe that's a, a road they, they decide to head back down again. Austin Reeves, I know they're going to want to bring back, but he's probably not going to be cheap. Troy Brown Jr. Uh, man, I I think they would they've they've enjoyed having him this season. If he would have again be available on a minimum, then then I think that would be something that they would be interested in. But at that point, if he's on a minimum, that that doesn't really matter all that much. Dennis Schroeder, um, I I think they're fans of, and he has probably outperformed the. Uh, veterans minimum contract this year now whether that means he's going to get more than the vet men next year is a very different conversation altogether winning gabriel uh, because of the overlap with uh jared vanderbilt i could see them you know not not bring winning back it would suck i really like winning but i i could see them you know looking to 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 keep a roster spot open instead of bringing him back um so what i'm saying with all of this is they have options here. Uh, they can either wipe the books clean, essentially, and pursue a a a thirty to thirty two million dollar type player using whatever cap space they have. They could open up that cap space and spend it on two fifteen ish million dollar contracts, you know, so on and so forth. If they decide to go the the cap space route, as soon as they traded for Rui Hachimura, I thought that that kind of signaled that that path didn't make much sense for them, but the path is still technically there for them. Uh, the other thing that they could do here is pursue sign it. My, my daughter is crying in the background. She doesn't like that option. Um, the other thing that the Lakers can do here uh, is, is sign in trades using some of these contracts here uh, that, you know, like Rui Hachimura has a cap hold of, of eight and a half million bucks. Maybe that's something that the Lakers look to do, and and they try to, you know, combine a couple contracts here or there, and they bring in Zach Levine, right? Um, by using the the rest of the cap space that they have and signing and trading that player, so that Levine moves into the cap space that the Lakers have, and then fill out the rest of the roster with with veteran minimum type players. Um, so that's another option that the Lakers can technically, you know, use. But I, I still think, and I felt this after the deadline, I, I still think the most interesting roster construction next year is mostly running back the one that they had that, that looked really good after they made the trades and, the, and all of their guys were healthy. Just sucks that right after those guys got healthy. And like, look, D'Angelo Russell doesn't exactly have a clean bill of health. And we've talked about AD, we've talked about LeBron. So I could see the Lakers being kind of risk averse when it comes to, you know, constructing a, a, a roster for next season when injuries have played such a central role in them falling short of expectations ever since they won that championship. I think 
their own decisions have played a larger role, but you can't you can't pretend that injuries also didn't limit their margin for for error as well. So, yeah, I, I I the point of all of this is to say that you know over the next not just ten games, but however many the Lakers have left to play this season, it is going to be a lengthy tryout for all of these guys. It's going to be a tryout not just for players individually but also the notion of depth and and uh solid role players versus pursuing another star and filling out the roster with veteran minimum type players around three stars i personally think that having depth and and having solid role players um and having more of them on on non-minimum contracts actually opens up your margin for error more than having a third star who can maybe carry more of the burden. Um, I, I think we've that's basically been proven out other than a couple situations where those three stars just fit absolutely perfectly. But that like that isn't the case with Zach Levine. That isn't the case with Kyrie Irving. Like that there is no star that the Lakers could go out and get Bradley Beal that like would have questions of his own. And his contract is is an absolute albatross beyond this upcoming season. So, I this if if you're looking for reasons to pay attention to the next twenty so games, um, beyond like you know seeing if the Lakers can stay afloat, these next twenty games I think are really going to help decide the direction of the organization. You know, at the tail end of Le, the LeBron James and Anthony Davis era, hell. It might even decide when the LeBron James and Anthony Davis era ends. And yeah, that I think to me is worth sticking around for the rest of the season for. I don't know. Maybe that's just me though. All right. That is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown podcast. The long one. This was a longer one, especially for an off day. So uh, enjoy it. And like I said yesterday at the end of yesterday's lowdown, um, I'm hoping to have a little bit more clarity in the next week or so about when we are going to get more longer episodes uh, to supplement or or to, to really kind of bring the beef back to this pod feed. Uh, so as soon as I have more clarity on that, I will offer it to you guys as best I can. But until the next time I talk to you guys, uh, it's probably going to be next week. I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.